As we begin, we're going to look to Matthew chapter 7. We're almost to the end of our sermon series, A Dawn of a New Day. A Dawn of a New Day. We believe that in Jesus Christ, all things are new, that in Him, there is life, there is fullness of joy, that His light, what the Bible says, His light is truth, reaches in to our very lives. And so as we go to the next section, we're looking at entering the kingdom. And right now, Nick is entering the precipice. Thank you, Nick. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for that bottle of water. And we're going to look where Jesus has now transitioned from telling people, your father cares for you. Ask, knock, be persistent. Your father in heaven gives good gifts. And so do for others as you would have them do unto you. This fulfills the law and of the prophets. Jesus would later go on to say, those who love me will love their neighbor, proving to be my disciples. So keep that in the back of your mind as we go to verse 13 of chapter 7. It says here in verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. There are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bristles or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name, and do many miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. Now this part of scripture, as you read through it, it's kind of this tug and go, you're like, yes, and then you're like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. It's a mixed bag, if you will, and just where we begin as we look through this passage, the Christian life is far from easy. The Christian life is not your coast your way through type of discipleship. You turn on the TV sometimes, and that's what maybe it can appear like. It's easy breezy. It's like surfing the waves out in the ocean. In many ways it can be. But Jesus is showing us here about this gate in this road that is difficult. In many ways you can't fake it till you make it. If you could just fake it until you make it, you might as well just engage the autopilot, lean back, kick back, and say it's all good. But in many ways Jesus is showing us to those in attendance and us here today, remain alert, remain awake. Keep your eyes and ears open to what's going on. 
Who's ministering or speaking into your life? Because there's these wolves around. There's these wolves lurking in the weeds. So let's focus on the beginning here just for a moment. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This speaks to an aspect of intention, an invitation, if you will, to engage his kingdom. It's not a ride in the line kind of thing. Isn't it beautiful that he gives us a choice? Enter through the gate. He's not making you enter through the gate. He's not forcefully pulling you through the gate. But like Jesus said, he said, from the times of John the Baptist to the time of Jesus' ministry, it says that there were those who forcefully were seizing the kingdom of heaven. They wanted everything that Jesus was bringing. This promise, this in breaking the kingdom of heaven on earth, they've been longing for it for so long, now's the time. It's a dawn of a new day. I've seen yesterday, I want today. I know what yesterday brought. I want what you're bringing me, Lord Jesus. But he's saying again, here, there's a choice, and there's going to be those who are not going or not wanting to go along in that choice. Look what he says in verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. In many regards, he's saying to us, will the wise builders please stand up? (laughs) Will the wise builders stand and be counted? When you think of building, what exactly is he getting at when he says, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. He's talking about the fruit of the word. Remember, his words are very spirit and life. And sometimes we can maybe trip up a bit because we think of fruit like a delicious banana or an apple. But fruit is so much more than that. Fruit is a figure of speech for conduct and character. So when he says, it's to my Father's glory that you produce fruit and fruit that will last, he's saying, it's to my Father's glory that you would inhibit, that you would be reformed in the character and conduct of him, of Christ Jesus. That's the fruit. That's the glorious fruit. And so when you look at the word and you see who Jesus Christ is, he is the love, joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, and self-control. Enter through the narrow way. Takes that degree of intention and self-control. And so up to this point, Jesus has delivered an incredible sermon far better than any pastor will ever will again in human history. Of those things he said, honor the Lord in your relationships and in your vows. Love your enemies. Tell the truth. Don't practice your faith to be seen, but serve him in your faith. Pray that the Lord's will is done in your life. Don't judge arrogantly, but be wise. Do to others as you would have them do for you. And most famously, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. All these things will be provided for you. Think about what you need in your life. And now think, what are the areas that I'm focused on and setting my life after? 
perhaps in a way you've dammed it up a little bit. You've created a restriction to the flow because you're seeking out what God has for you. And as we go in this next picture, as he shows these two pictures, I want us to remember Ephesians 2 verse 8 because I don't want someone to leave here today and say, Andrew's mixing the law and grace. He's doing this mixing dance. We want you to leave here today without a shadow of a doubt that you're saved by grace through faith. Your works don't save you. But because you're in Christ, you've been forgiven. The Bible says those who have been forgiven much love much. Our works are a natural byproduct of who we are. So Paul says to those in Ephesus, he, before this says, you've been predestined, conformed to the image of the Son who is Christ. In verse 8 of chapter 2, he says, you've been saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not from works, so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared in ahead of time for us to do. So it's definitely not a picture of chilling on the surfboard. It's definitely not a picture of, again, kicking back, engaging autopilot. You have to intentionally pilot with the leading hand and guidance of Holy Spirit. Imagine if a pilot took his hands off the wheel, if you will and just let the plane do what it wants. It would eventually lead to destruction. Jesus here is showing us two different pictures, the narrow gate and the wide gate. The different sizes, but both have a reward, life and destruction. You ever looked into the history of Jerusalem and the actual gates of the city? Around the city are many gates. Some are still in existence that were existing at the time of Christ. There are wide gates and there are narrow gates. Some are so broad that so many can enter through no promises, incredible flow. All different shapes and sizes of vehicles can even get through, but there's a few that are narrow. And last time I checked, just visually look at it, I've never been to Jerusalem, one day I would like to. But this narrow gate, I believe what Jesus is showing us, is there's a point where people have to intentionally, almost forcefully, make their way through that gate. Otherwise, the flow of traffic will take them in a direction they do not want to go. And what was interesting in looking at this were the word narrow in the Greek speaks of restrictive. The narrow gate is not only just this narrow thing, it's restrictive. It means if you're going to go this way, you're going to have to negate the flow of the people, negate the flow of the crowd, what seems popular, what seems to be the order of the day. And so Jesus says this very clearly in Matthew 24, and this can seem like, oh my goodness, I'm not ready for this part, but this ties in with what Jesus is talking about. In Matthew 24, he continues to talk about this road, and the path will lead two different directions. In Matthew 24, verse 9, he says this. They will hand you over to be persecuted, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. Sometimes we think, well, no, everyone's just going to love believers who are in Jesus. 
I don't understand why sometimes people just don't like me because I, I believe in Jesus. Well, Jesus says it right here. Not everyone is going to enjoy your cup of tea, if you will. He says, many will fall away, even betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets, don't remember this part, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will apply or will multiply. The law of many, forgive me, the love of many will grow cold. Because the lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So many will hate you because of my name. Those who endure to the end will be saved. And you got to love he doesn't end then. Verse 14, it says, this good news of the kingdom that we've been reading for the last 11 weeks, if you can believe it or not, this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the entire world as a testimony to the same nations. And then the end will come. Think about it. You and I are part of human history. God's redemptive purpose in human history. Where we are, because of his light inside of our life, like we're singing, we're proclaiming his name. And by clinging to him and the work that he's done on the cross, we're saved by grace through faith. We're a proclamation of God's ministry in our life to the world. And we have to think, well, what do we do when we're before those gates? When the crowd wants to go down these twisty, windy roads to a gate of destruction, twisting and distorting God's word. It's very like the, the serpent, the devil in the Garden of Eden saying, did God really say? And so here Jesus gives us a warning sign. So you ready, bro? It's time to get serious. Are you serious about your faith? Yeah, you've been saved by grace through faith. No one's dis disregarding that. But how intentional are you in your walk with the Lord? Because he's saying here, enter through this gate. The crowds are like a wave. They'll drive you in places you don't want to go if you let them. For example, one of the biggest conversations, in fact, the denomination in the United States, the Mennonite Brethren, just had a split over doctrine of whether a man and a woman... If, it's only, if marriage is only related to a man and woman, if it involves, you know, if it's not gender related, if it can be between any sex. And I submit to you that Jesus, he says very clearly, as he told the Pharisees who approached him about the issue, he says, have you not known this from the very beginning? God made them male and female. What God has joined together that no one separate. He made them male and female. Those are one of the areas. But at the end of the day, without getting caught on that, it's a salvific issue. What are the aspects that will jeopardize your faith in Jesus? If you can truly deny that he is the son of God, that he didn't come into the world and proclaim the truth of God, if you can actually deny him, then you are on that path of destruction. But even if there's a, the seed of faith and belief that Jesus, I believe who you say you are, even when times I don't understand it, even when times when it's difficult, you're found in him. And Paul says, even if your works were like of rags, that you will escape through the flames. So let me ask you a question. How many are just holding on and riding a family legacy to the kingdom? How many of you are tying yourself to different leaders, different movements, different causes, hoping it'll save you? I can't believe, begin to tell you how many Christians I talk to who believe because they're engaged in social justice, that's going to save them. 
Social justice is so important. We, we were supposed to be offering a cool drink to those in need. Jesus says, when you offer this water, when you offer clothing to others, you're doing so in my name. But the work itself won't save you. So there's, again, there's this balancing piece. At the end of the day, what matters is being intentional in our relationship with Jesus. Does he know you? It's a good question to ask ourselves. Am I known by the Lord? And so these false prophets are lurking around in the weeds. He says to be, be uh, alert and be aware of who these people are. In 2 Corinthians verse 11, the apostle Paul says that these people, these false prophets, they're deceitful, disguising themselves as messengers of Christ. In fact, he says, and no wonder, for Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's of no great surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, but their end will be according to their works. And so when a family comes and asks me a question, I'm not going to hone in on specific things because that's not my purpose here today. I have to, like you, remain true to the word of God. Not a man's written book of, well, this is what I think the interpretations are, and I'm going to follow that. No, I'm going to follow the written word of the Lord. And in these areas, when we look at these, these teachers, in 2 Peter 2, it says that these people will bring in destructive heresies. This is 2 Peter chapter 2. Even denying the master who bought them. What that means is denying the very truth of God's word. And then in verse 3, it says, they will exploit you in greed and made up stories. So look, we've looked, we turn on the tube, and we've seen people say, today, if you want to be blessed by the Lord, just write a massive check, and, you know, we're going to get the Learjet, or whatever those things happening online. That's an example of someone who's exploiting you in their greed. What's their purpose? They're dressed up to appease us. And the poisonous pill, I believe this with my whole heart, the way that they appease us to go the road and the gate they want us to go is by offering a poisonous pill. And I believe that poisonous pill is accommodation. Accommodation. If you let them in, it's like offering the opposite of fruit. They're offering you junk food. You'll get fat on the pride of life. And Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says this. Their way seems right, but in the end, it's the way to death. And so what I appreciate about this part of Scripture is Jesus is telling us, be aware of their theology. Be aware of what they believe in their spiritual formation. What does their theology lead them to do? What's the yield of their life? Is it righteousness? Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you? Or is it greed? Is it immorality in all its shape and color? Perhaps mo most importantly, following the words of Christ and loving one another, are others blessed eternally by what they share, what they teach? Are you benefiting from their counsel? This is many of the areas where Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, the wise builders stand to be counted. 
Young Timothy, one of the leaders of the early church, Paul writes him and says, but know this, hard times will come in these last days. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, even unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. And the list continues to go on. It shows what's the opposite of fruit. We have the fruit of the Lord from the living truth of his word, and then we have the junk food, if you will. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness but denying its power. He tells young Timothy, avoid these people. So here we see the opposite of the fruit. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, these people, they warm their ways into houses, deceiving those who are gullible, believing that they're workers of righteousness when they're not. Do you know there's cults out there? that believe that if you have many uh, relationships and engage in intimacies, being very promiscuous, that it's a, that's a greater degree of a gateway to heaven? Where do you think they get that nonsense from? <laughs> the deceptive voice of the enemy. Remember what I said earlier, what Jesus says. He says, the relationship, this wonderful union is between two people. And so the call of Jesus to us this morning is, Be intentional. Be wise. On the day of the Lord, look in verse 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and drive out demons in your name and do miracles in your name? Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. There's an account in Acts chapter 19 where there are these men, these Jewish exorcists, and they're going around and they're proclaiming, invoking different cantations. And they've heard about this Jesus and the power that flows from the very name of Jesus. And they're going around and, and, and trying to claim and invoke that power. In Acts 19, it says these exorcists, as they attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord, Jesus, over those who had evil spirits, they said, I command you by Jesus that Paul preaches. And then the evil spirit answered them and said, I know Jesus. I recognize Paul. But who are you? And personally, introspect, I look at this verse and I think about this, Lord Jesus, may I be in your number. May I be known by you. Because the next part it says, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So they ran out of the house naked and wounded. And as a result of this, the scripture says, when this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks became afraid, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. The moment we think we can build our own kingdoms, we can jettison everything that Jesus is calling to, but just invoke the power of God, we're on the opposite path. And yet in the midst of this, I'm so thankful that uh, Ian said at our men's group, what I really appreciated and about this statement that he made is, God still works in spite of us. It's amazing that even at the name of Jesus, even if you're not truly invested in him, you don't truly believe in him, you haven't truly given your heart to him, you've heard of him, you think, oh, isn't that wonderful, Jesus died for me? That his name still is powerful. 
We're told in, um, in Scripture that when the power of God comes and even demons flee, that, that the sign, Jesus says, that the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. He says, if I drive out demons by the name of my Father, the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. So it's a sign. Be intentional. Are you a wise builder? Are you intentionally living your faith? And so to wrap things up, to be very practical, looking at these pictures, let the words of Jesus speak to you today, not to condemn you, but to encourage you that, look, we've looked at the one side of the picture. We've looked at the one side of the road that if we're in Jesus, we believe in him, and we want to live our life after him, we're on that path. It's going to be restrictive in some regards. And look what Jesus says, and this is what counts. Matthew chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, oh man, what what an amazing scene that's going to be. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Not our thrones. Not what we have deemed his throne to be. All nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the one of least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's a very different picture from the people that are confused of why they're not one of the number because they were all about themselves. They're all about, Lord, we did this in your name. They were missing the big picture the vision statement of the kingdom of heaven, if you will. And so to those on his left, he says, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now here's the important part to remember. There is teaching out there saying that hell doesn't exist. That God would never send anyone to eternal position or place like this. Well, you either believe the words of Christ in Matthew here, Matthew 24, or you don't. He goes and says, for I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me, sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. And they had the same answer to the king. They said, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer them again. you got to love that. Uh, Jesus, he, he's so good at reiterating priorities. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. This is the very reason why, not every day, 
but a good chunk of time, I thank the Lord, thank you for your patience that you haven't returned yet. Because we're told in 2 Peter, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise and returning as some people think. But he's, he's slow in the regard because he wants all people to come to realization of faith, who he is, and to give their life truly over to Christ. In some regards, when Jesus, as I, as I wrap up, and I'll invite the worship team to come in a few minutes, is his own followers couldn't quite grasp this. It's not about obtaining power. It's not about status. It's not about building our life of our own kingdom, but humble service. And so one day, there was this dispute. Could you imagine Jesus and his followers are having a spat with one another? I like to try and visualize the scene. How, how does Jesus handle that scene? What's his demeanor like? Far from my demeanor, granted. But here we see this dispute in Luke 22, verse 24. And this dispute is about who should be considered the greatest. And this is, again, following the same line. People building their own kingdoms thinking, I am the greatest. Verse 25, he says to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who have authority over them have themselves called benefactors. It is not to be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever is greatest among you should become like the youngest, and whoever leads like the one serving. For who is greater, the one at the table or the one who is serving? Isn't it the one at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who stood me in my trials. I bestow on you a kingdom just as my father bestowed one on me. So here's that emphasis where Jesus is telling them, when you endure, you enter through this path, this gate. It may be restrictive, but it's worth it. When you realize it's about serving one another, being true to the word, and encouraging one another in that very word of the kingdom, you're going to bless others. You're serving them. But don't make it about yourself. Don't make it about a place of position and prestige. These are the very words of Christ. And so as the worship team comes for a time of responsive worship, let this be a ringing bell, if you will, a, an invitation to receive from the Lord, to be intentional, to receive his grace that teaches us to be like him, that moves us to live and move and breathe as Christ lived and breathed on this earth. Like these people who are coming to lead us in worship, what I appreciate is that the good works that we do do, and not only blesses each other, but it blesses our Heavenly Father. Just think, when you reach out, Gary, and you're caring for people, I know you do, you're very, very just gracious soul, man, you're blessing the Lord. You're blessing the person you're reaching out to, but you're, you're blessing the Lord. He's saying, that's my son, that's my daughter, and whom I am well pleased. My son and daughter, they're not about building their stool, building their throne. And so at the end of the day, as the worship team begins to play, picking up where we left off last week in Galatians, Paul tells those in Galatia, he says, don't be deceived. This is Galatians 6, verse 7. 
God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So let us not get tired of doing good. For we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, we have every opportunity. Let us work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of faith. That's why hope for today exists. We believe and desire for all people to encounter the transformative, hope-filled relationship with Jesus Christ. He didn't come into the world to condemn us, but to save us. But here's the kicker. We have to want to be saved. Thankfully, it's just that very unction of belief of our mouth and in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, that we are saved. What I submit to you today is don't let that be all that your life is about. I'm saved. I'm in the hands of the Lord, as wonderful as it is. Let's take those next steps and see, God, you've not only saved me, you've blessed me with the provision of heaven by the power of your Holy Spirit to step into places, to bring life change, to be a partner with the Holy Spirit of life transformation. We can champion each other. We can move each other along to engage this faith journey. My vision for here, and I believe we've all been in agreement, is for the place to be, now don't misunderstand me, it's not about just being this place, but just a packed house of people longing and desiring that life-giving water, longing and desiring that relationship with Jesus Christ for themselves, not because of what I preach or what anyone else shares, but because they're reading and enduring by the very word of God for themselves and for you. That's my prayer for you today, that we would engage our faith that we would be those wise builders. As Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rivers fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. Jesus' life, his example, is who we build our life upon, amen. Let's come to a time of worship. I'm going to invite you to stand if you're able as uh, we come to a time of responsive.